You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So this is fine to Nawacha about Tubishvat. The Mogan Avram writes that Ashkenazim have the minig to be marbabobi mine perisho yulanot. Since it's Rosh Hashanah yulanot, since this is when we recognize that the sap has risen and any fruits that start to develop from this point on are part of Tavshin Pe'alif. Stuff that might have developed up until this point is from the rains and from the year Tavshin Pei. But this is Tavshin Pe'alif fruit. And therefore, in terms of the din of Orla, of what year of Orla it is. Or maybe even in terms of taking off Trumas and Maestros from one year off of the other. Is it from a Maestro Shane a year? Is it a Maestro on a year? Those things are determined not by, not like vegetables, which are at Rosh Hashanah, but the Ilonos, because of the way fruits come out of the ground, because of the way they develop in the tree, because of the understanding of that, that happens really only now. So it's only now that the stuff that's developing from this point on is considered fruit of this year. So from there, the Ashkenazim have the Minag to eat Peros of Ilonos specifically. The Kapachayim writes that the Sephardim also have that Minag. In fact, not only the Sephardim have that Minag, but they actually learn, they have a limud at night of the night of, of Tu Bishvat, the Seder Tu Bishvat, where of, of, of all the fruits they're planning on eating, they find a Mishnah or somewhere in the Zohar that speaks about that fruit, and then they learn about it, and then they make a bracha. And there's a special sefer about this as well. Now we know it's Tu Bishvat, which is the 15th of Shvat. So some have the minute to eat 15 different types of peros. Some have the minig that we know there's 15 shiramalos, so they actually read one of, one of the prakim of shiramalos in between each fruit. And that is brought by Rav Chaim Talajia in the Sefer Moed Kol Chai. Oh, this is Minhogim of the Sephardim. Um... What's the source, other than the fact that it's called Rosh Hashanah So there's a Yerushalmi in Kedushan. It's a very famous Yerushalmi. A person is going to have to answer after he comes up to Shamayim after 120 years about everything that he saw, that he was able to eat and didn't eat. Rabbi Eliezer, and this is the Amora Rabbi Eliezer, he was worried because of this memra that came from Rav, the great Amora Rav, a very interesting Lashon the Yishalmi uses, matzmiach, which it sounds like he, 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 he caused it to grow the pennies. Now what does that mean he caused it to grow? Because he would, he would make sure to gather the pennies that he would have enough. And once he had enough pritim, he would go out and buy every single min, choda, one exemplar, one uh, example of that fruit, whatever it was, bishata in the year. 
So some Mufarshim say we are following Rebbe Liezer's minag of eating one of the, in other words, to make sure that every single type of fruit does get eaten and to eat it once a year. And the reason why, because you're, you're showing that you love, the, you love God's world because you know God created the trees and the fruit that's on them. So by buying them and having them and eating them, you are being makir tov that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created a planet for us that we could have such beautiful things and we praise him for that. So that is might be the source of a Seder Tu Bishvat. Well, once there is a Seder Tu Bishvat, uh, you're going to have some questions. Um, and obviously, if you're going to have a spread of fruits, certain standard questions always come up. So, I'm going to um, skip the standard questions, which is, okay, which bracha do I make on first? Do I go with Shiva Saminim? Do I go with the one I like more? Do I go with a, a half of one or one that's whole? Uh, which one of the Shiva Saminim comes before the other? So those are all things that many of you have probably heard already. And, um, and, and you can find them. There are some differences, some variables here. Um, and um, I, I'm just going to share with you one remez. We know that the uh, the way we figure out in the Shivas Haminim, which one is the one you would make on the bracha first, it depends on which one is closest to the, the word Eretz in the Pasik in Veschanan um, that describes, or Ekev, I think, Ekev, that describes the... Um, the the the, the Peros of Eretz Israel. So the way it works is now we obviously is Eretz Chita Vesora. Generally Chita Vesora, you're not going to be eating. So then the Seder is Zayit Tamar Gefen Teina Verimon. So that would be the order. Zayis would be number one. So there's a remez to remember this. Think about the seeds inside of it. The Zayis clearly only has one garin in it. The tamar, although it only only has one garin, it's sort of grooved on the bottom. It looks like two. Then you think, what's the next one? Grapes. Grapes have a couple of little seeds in it. Today, hardly anybody eats those types of grapes. Well, people do, but you don't see Yeah, yeah a lot of people do. I should say it's not that normal. But, but then, right? And then you think, what comes next in terms of seeds? Figs. Figs have more seeds than grapes. And the ultimate one, of course, is pomegranates, which has the most amount of seeds. So that's a good way to remember. I hadn't seen this before today, and I thought that was a nice way to remember. Maybe you have seen it before, but I hope it's something. Interesting question that came up, and this is a question that was asked to um, Rav, uh, Yehuda Arielev Dinar, who is a Rav in Eretz Yisrael, Rav Dinar. So, not Rav Dinar, but Rav Dinar. Let's see what the question was. The question was, we said before that the Shiva Saminim includes wheat and barley. And usually don't eat barley. Uh, but what's, how about you have beer? How about you have beer? Um, and you have beer and you have, let's say, peanuts. Okay. Which bracha should you make first? Right. And you, and you like beer. 
Maybe the beer should come first because it's from one of the Shiva Saminim. The beer is made from barley hops. That's what that beer is. So if you look at the Mishnah Brewer, the Mishnah Brewer says that you make a bracha on the peanut because Adama is a better bracha than Shahako, even though technically the beer comes from something that is from the Shiva Saminim. Okay. Let's say now you have two liquids. All right. And let's assume that you would make uh, the shahako on both. All right. What are the two liquids? You have prune juice and pomegranate juice. Which one would you make first? So here, the Mishnabura quoting the Prima Godim says, that even though they are both been reduced to shahakol, we're going to look at the fact that the pomegranate juice comes from pomegranates. And therefore, you're going to make the brook on the pomegranate juice first over the, um, the prune juice. And, um, and the reason the Prima Godim approves this because he says that um, when we talk about the Shiva Saminim, and we talk about Eretz uh, Dvash, right? So we know Dvash means dates. But Dvash is also the honey that's crushed into honey. And then you would make a shahako on honey. You wouldn't make an eights. So you see that even though the Torah writes Dvash, and it's in the form of a liquid, that's still called one of the Shiva Saminim, even in liquid form. So even being in liquid form, it has a chashivus, of, and uh, you would make a bracha, according to the Prima Godim, on, and therefore the Mishabur says in our case too, uh, it would be the same thing. You would make pomegranate juice before that. Um, it's interesting, the Mogan Avram writes that um, despite the fact that the, the raya is a very strong raya, Mogan Avram feels once something is already liquid, it's not really called from the Shiva Saminim. Um, and therefore, um, like you know, you're not going to make ala michya or ala eitz on drinking beer, um, and you wouldn't make if you had honey, even if it was date honey. Uh, it sounds like it might you might not have that same bracha. I think that I'm not sure about. Okay, um, here's an interesting question. Talk about okay, so. Um, you made a, you have an apple, and you make a bar priyadama on it. What's the halacha? You're yotze. Okay, you should have made eights, but you make adama. Now, what does that mean? Can you eat the whole apple? So, Rav Moshe Feinstein has a big chidush. Rav Moshe Feinstein says that what does it mean? You're yotze. That means that the bracha is not levatala, and you can eat it but you just eat a little bit of it. And then what you should do is stop eating, go outside, and come back in and make the right bracha. It's a big chiddush. Um, because he says, what does it mean that you're yotza? Your yotza means that you don't stop. You, you bite into what you made the bracha. But the, to eat the whole apple incorrectly would be wrong. 
um, the Mishnah if you read the Mishnah carefully, and Rechaim Kanievsky uh, says that that is what the Mishnah means, that you can actually finish the whole apple. So that's an interesting machlokas between uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein and Rechaim Kanievsky and possibly the Mishnah Um, now, many people in the old days, I used to see my parents do this. They would take a sugar cube. You might remember, they would take a sugar cube and have it in their mouth and then, you know, start to drink tea. It's a very Russian thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would see it all the time. Oh, yes. 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 Yeah. Of doesn't do much for your teeth, but they would put the they bite it in their teeth and start the right? whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I glaze it. They always also. By the way, my parents always had tea in the, in the glass. Always, like yeah, in the glass. glass. Did they have the metal thing around the glass? Yes, the yes, the metal holder <laughs> and, you, yes. and the spoon. That's the way you drink tea. That's of course, the yeah. The idea of styrofoam we didn't have, but even the idea of drinking tea out of a, a out of a um, you know, out of a regular earthenware thing. That no, no, no. And they would about, serve it that uh, Rabbi Kivlech, they, uh, they would serve it that way uh, on the train. Right, in the glass with the thing. Yes, yes. How about a fancy china cup? Um, mm-hmm. No. That, hot, those, coffee would sometimes go in those drinks, but tea was always in a glass. Always in a glass. Anyway, so, and with a little piece of sugar. Okay, so let's say this is an interesting thing that Mishnah Burr talks about. People who didn't have sugar, but they would they would put a a, um, a date in their mouth to get some sweetness. So what's the halacha? Do, do you make a barpria eights on that? So here's the psak. If they were going to eat the date anyway, but they figure, hey, you know what? It's gonna it's gonna be good with my tea. Then they should make a barpria eights on the date have it in their mouth, and then shahakal on the tea. But if they know that they don't really want to eat the date, they just cannot really bring the tea down unless they have some sweetness in their mouth. And having the date in their mouth prior is the way that the mouth gets ready for the tea. So the, the, the date is tough filled to the tea. And therefore, the shahakal you're going to make on the tea potters the the date. Now that would be if you start drinking the tea, make a shahakal on that, and then you pop the date in your mouth to get sweetness. But even in the reverse, listen to this. Let's say you put the date in your mouth like that sugar cube before you drink the tea. So even though what's going in your mouth, listen to this incredible psak, what's going into your mouth is a date and the tea hasn't even gotten in there yet, you make a shahakol on that date. Because that's the whole tea drinking. So the same thing would be with the sugar cube. You'd make a shahakol on the sugar cube, and you wouldn't make a shahakol on the tea. Because it's all part of the same process. But here, even though it's a date that's in your mouth, that would be uh, the chidush here, that you would make um, you would make the shahakol. A shahakol on a date. Because it's only in your mouth in order to add uh, that type of sweetness. Okay.
Um, a lot of times in Tuba Shvat, you eat a whole bunch of different types of fruit. Okay, so some of them, like if they're from the Shiva Saminim, there should be, of course, uh, you make the Bara Brochachrona, we call Al But sometimes there's other types of Priya Aids there apples, oranges, other things, those are Bara Nefoshot. So you do not need to make a Bara Nefoshot separately. But let's say you had bananas or something else that are Adoma. So there, the al ha'etz does not cover that. Im haminim, and you also had pre-adama. Who knows, some carrots, bananas, vegetables. So there, or there was something else on the table, there you would have to make bore nefashot as well as al ha'etz. Now, Let's say you're in that situation. You've got to make bar nefashot on the carrots and the other stuff that you had. And you also have to make al ha'etz. Which bracha comes first? Well, most of you would say the bracha that comes first would be al ha'etz because it's, it's a significant bracha. It's a bracha that is beginning and an end. It's for the Shiva Saminim. On the other hand, bar nefashot is a more tadir bracha because you make it on more things. And it's a bracha that you actually eat on water, on meat, on eggs. So maybe tother works. So um, based on the Mishnah Brewer and the Bear Halacha, Rav Diner says the idea of tother would be knocked out by the fact that the al ha'etz is a more chosh of a bracha. Let's say bidievad, uh, you make the burning of fashos first. And you're thinking, and this should cover me for everything. Doesn't work. Um, and if you make a bar in Fashos, you have to, it doesn't make a difference. We don't say, oh, it's like you make a shahakal. We know that if you make a shahakal, bidievid, you can bite into the apple. And according to what we saw from Rav Chaim Kalievsky, you can finish the whole apple with a, with a shahakal. But the bar in Fashos that you make, even though you think it's supposed to work, does not bidievid work, and you would have to make, uh, you would have to say the bracha of al ha'etz. Let's say, um, you know, you're in, you haven't yet made your bracha achrona, and then you go to the bathroom. Okay, now you have two brachas that are in front of you. You have al ha'etz, and you have asher yotzar. So, what? Which one do you make? Which bracha do you say first? So the Mishnah Bura, quoting the great Marshal, says that in this case, Asher Yatsar wins. Why? Because even though Al Ha'etz is a bracha chashuva, but what makes it chashuv? Because it has a beginning and an end. It has. It starts with Baruch, and it has a chasim of Baruch. It's called a bracha rucha, a bracha with a bakasha. Asher Yatsar is a pretty great bracha too. Maybe, you know, we're sort of embarrassed when we say it, or we don't want people to hear it when we're saying it. But in terms of its pedigree, it is um, a chosh of a bracha. Okay, so maybe I should still make Allah eights first. I ate the uh, fruit first, 
So here, the Psak of the Mishnah Bur is that it's Tadir. Because Asher Yotzer is a bracha you make much more often. You make it, well, people are zochet to, to go to the bathroom. I guess it is more often bracha. But therefore, since it's Tadir, you would make Asher Yotzer before you'd make the Al The better argument would be if because you're making Asher Yotzer because of your health. That's Brikad Nehenin, the other one. <laughs> That's a question whether Asher Yotzer, what type but of... Asher Yotzer has a, has a, doesn't have a time thing. You can say it later. And right? you can, and you, but you also have time... Well, you're right. To the, you know, they, they, this one you could also push off a little bit. Yeah, that's correct. There's sparse. What Moshe is saying, there is a whole discussion what type of broch Asher Yotzer is. I gave a whole shir about it, which is on the podcast site. You know, is Asher Yotzer a broch of Shevach or a broch of Hanoah? Is it a broch of Shevach to God? If you say that it is a great brach of shevach to God, um, well, our eitz is also shevach to the to the bracha that uh, that you were able to eat the fruits and how beautiful Eretz Yisrael is, and you're able to be zocha. But I shevach say, for what? Shevach for a briut? Shevach for health? Health? <laughs> now you're Not talking. Like, for... now, now you're talking like a good Ashkenazi Jew. The health is the main important thing, right? Because the, the, your body is alive is more important than anything about the fact that you were able to eat a peri from Eretz Yisrael. When I make a shayatza and make sure people hear it and say amen. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, the, so you agree? You had your. You would just have another svara that it's so important and it, it's so significant to your life that brach would be the one. That would come first. I think Richard has a point too, as well, in terms of the fact that that you know there's a time limit when, you're not, when you don't feel the when you don't feel the food anymore. Like let's say you would, as Richard says, you would just like sit around for a while. Hey, I don't feel hungry anymore. You might not be able to make Allah eats. Like you can't bench anymore. So maybe in the same way, but Asher Yotzer, you would make even though, um, right? Even though an hour or two has passed. You could still make Asher. So, by the way, once you have the the, the 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 feeling to make the bracha, though, Richard, you can't make that old Asher Yotzer anymore. Uh, In other words, that yeah. you you lose that Asher. Let's say you 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 forgot to say the Asher Yotzer, and then you uh, you know you, you by the time you remember, you need to go to the bathroom again. So you don't make two Asher Yotzers. You lost that. You lost hmm. the first one. So in a way, it is similar as far as that. Yeah. Goes. Okay, here's a very a question. I, I Mamish never would have thought of this, but Rishon Mazalman Vosner and maybe Rishon Mazalman also speaks about it. Sometimes there's uh, sesame seeds that they put on cake, like sesame, um, I don't know, bareka or something like that, or a sesame uh, cake that has sesame seeds on it. So we know that each sesame seed as it says in Shulchan Aruch, has a din of a barrier. Because it's like every little seed, that, you, that when it grows, it's like a little grape. So it, therefore, it has a din of a barrier. So the halacha is that when it comes to something that's a barrier, for example, like a grape or a seed, like a sesame seed, you really have to eat a lot. Why? Because it's a suffix in a bracha. Because some say that once it's a barrier, you don't need to have a shear of a kezayas. Others say no. So it's a suffix brocha when you eat a sesame seed. Do you make a brocha achrona or not? So some say you should, to stay away from the suffix, you shouldn't eat a, a sesame seed by itself unless you're going to eat a lot because otherwise you're in a suffix, whether you're whether you're even a brocha or not. 
So, um, what you could do, Reb Vosner says, if the sesame seeds are on a piece of cake, so obviously, even though they're a barrier, but they're clearly there just to make the cake taste better. So in such a case, even though you only have seven or eight sesame seeds, there, there's not a problem eating it because you're going to make a brook on the cake, which is the mizonos, which will pot to the sesame seeds. However, that's if the amount of cake you're eating is a kazayas. But let's say, then we say, ah, the tuffa was potter. Um, I don't know if you're going to have more sesame seeds than cake, but that would be the heter to be able to eat it. So, Why? Because you're not going to be eating a, 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 a whole kazayas of the cake. And you have, instead, you're making the mizono, but you're also having those those sesame seeds which are on there. So he says that there would be a suffix chi of brocha. So it's better not to have uh, either eat a kazayas. No, I think the halva, I think, are crushed. I don't think they have a din of a barrier um, and halva. halva. I don't know if I agree with this psak. Um, this Ravdiner's psak. He seems to say that, oh, you have a kazayus of a cake, so all those little sesame seeds on it are insignificant compared to the main piece of the cake. But the piece of cake is small, and you got the sesame seeds on it, then the might not be that way. I don't know. I believe that it's clearly there just to be like a, a little addition, to give a little taste. And therefore, um, I would say even if you're having less than a, a kazayus, it's not a problem. So I don't really understand this psaac, but I'm reading it to you anyway. I discovered something that I thought I was right, and now I see I'm wrong. I looked up the chuva today. We talked about Zoom last week. If you remember, we had a psaac from Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef about seeing a person on Zoom. Do you make a brocha if he's a very close friend or not? Remember, we talked about that. Connected to this question is, and generally, if you if I if you would hear me like here I am having a cup of, of coffee. Well, I finished it already. But if I would have this cup of coffee and I would say, "Excuse me, gentlemen, would you make would you say amen to me or not?" You might remember that in previous situations I've told you, "Don't say amen." Now I, it wasn't about Zoom; it was about a telephone call. But um, I always thought that the same way of Moshe felt that you couldn't be Mekayim Bikracholim and other mitzvot uh, through the telephone, that you shouldn't say Amen uh, when you hear a bracha over the telephone. So I looked up the truth of our motion that's quoted here. He talks about a woman in a hospital who's not able to say Havdalah for herself, and they want to call her up after Shabbos, and she could hear them saying Havdalah over the phone. So Rav Moshe says that in such a situation, that's the right thing to do. And Rav Moshe indicates you should say Amen. So therefore, I take it back, what I was saying. And if you've heard from me before differently, 
it seems that if you hear a bracha over the telephone, now, I'm not sure if you can, you know, saying amen is different than it, you being, being yomotziyu in the Havdalah. In the hospital case, it's, I guess, the, the, the Rav Moshe's tshuva indicates that the lady has a kiyum in Havdalah by hearing it from her son, whoever is making it, her family's making it through the telephone. And that would be a, a kiyum. She can now do malacha and not think that she has to make Havdalah anymore. Um, but answering Amen, and I'm not sure about that, but answering Amen, I agree with the basic svara that's written here that, okay, it's not Osir to answer Amen because you know that a bracha is going on. You might not hear, you might not be hearing the actual voice of the person. It might have changed. Now, Ramosha talks about that, that maybe what you're hearing is not actually the sound and the sound has changed and now it's become something else. And but you know that the person was making that bracha. And it's similar to what the Gemara tells us was in the case of Alexandria, that they would lift up a, a flag to tell the people all the way in the back. It was a huge basilica. They would, the people would say, oh, man, although they didn't hear the bracha. So therefore, um, you would be able to say, oh, man. And he, he, Rav Dina writes that you're mechuyev to answer, oh, man. Um, I didn't get that sense from Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe says he's mesupik, but answering Amen l'chorah, according to Rav Moshe, would be the right thing to do. He mentions here from Rav Nisan Karelitz that it's, you're allowed to answer Amen, but it's not necessarily mechuyiv to answer Amen. So I'm not sure, let's say, you would ask somebody, hey, you know, could you, to, to, to be motzi. I think according to Ravisan Karel, it's over the telephone. You have a right to say amen, but you can't necessarily be motzi uh, with, with uh, the amen that's being said there. I have the same question at these big events when, um, you know, you're hearing the bracha through the microphone. Like you have a person making the bracha, a chosh of a person at the dais. So you're definitely hearing the echo of his voice. And um, once again, I'm, I'm not exactly sure because you know he's making that bracha. Is he, can he be motzi you with that bracha? I'm not 100% sure. It sounds from Rav Diner that yes. Um, I always feel I'm a little bit disturbed when that happens. Uh, I remember when I was on a tour bus uh, in Eretz Yisrael and someone said the Tfilas um, Haderach over the microphone. And again, we, what we were hearing was the person's voice, but as it was amplified and changed. It's possible that that might not be enough to be motzi someone. I have to tell you, Rav Moshe writes that when somebody made that argument to him, the same one I'm making, Ramosha writes in the Chuva, well, how do you know the way sound works? Maybe you're not hearing the voice either. It's your brain that you're hearing that's taking in that voice. So even though there's a mechanism that's changing his sound into an, uh, a chamber that turns it into the electronic, uh, you know, the electronic uh, 
noise that you're hearing that's formed like his voice, that might be the same thing that happens whenever we hear anybody's voice. That's what Rav Moshe says, it's sort, of, sort of like a scientific uh, theory that he has. So I, you know, I, I guess that would be all right in terms of a microphone as well. But this would be the question about answering a bracha in that case. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 